Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meeting this week in Baltimore. It's their annual fall gathering. And uh, Dr. Matthew Bunsen is there. He'll be reporting uh, all week from uh, Baltimore. And, uh, of course, the big news over the weekend was that uh, Pope Francis has removed uh, Bishop Strickland from his position as the ordinary of the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Uh, this was a, a great shock uh, to people, and obviously people asking, what do we know? What can we know? I thought it'd be worthwhile to spend some time with Matthew um, getting this from a, a news perspective. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing in this next segment or so. Matthew, as you know, is executive editor and Washington bureau chief for EWTN News and also a senior fellow at St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. He has been involved in Catholic communications for years, uh, co-author or author of more than 50 books. And Matthew, good to have you back here. Thanks. Good to be with you, and uh, greetings from Baltimore. Yeah, in Baltimore. I'm not, uh, I have not been there for the last few years. I think COVID was the first year I didn't bother going, and uh, I didn't go this year. Although I've enjoyed myself uh, in the past when I've been there. It's been yeah. I actually, I you know that's actually where I met Bishop Strickland. Um, this was probably 2018, because it was after the um, McCarrick conviction, and yes, uh, exactly. And I greatly enjoyed my conversation with him at the time, uh, and of course uh, hearing about his removal uh, from Bishop of Tyler, Texas, was. Uh, uh, a bit of a shock because this doesn't happen very often, right? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, now, that's not to say that it's uh, unprecedented. And uh, when we look back over the last decade, there have been uh, a number of bishops uh, who have been removed uh, or resigned uh, under pressure uh, for various reasons. Uh, in some cases, similar to this one, it's a little hazy as to exactly why. Uh, I can think uh, over the years, for example, of um, the resignation or the removal of Bishop Martin Holly from the Diocese of Memphis in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, we had uh, the uh, removal of Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres from Arecibo, Puerto Rico. Uh, I think that was uh, just last year in March of 2022. Uh, so, again, this uh, is unusual but it's not without uh, having had this happen before. Yeah. And my personal uh, affection for Bishop Strickland, from my conversation with him years ago, is not really the, what's, at, what's at issue here. I mean, this is... <laughs> yes, <you> know, exactly. <laughs> this is a serious, a, a very serious institutional matter. Uh, he, he had his diocese, he had been, um, I guess you would say, investigated... Uh, just this year by the Holy See. Well, that's right. Explain to us what that was about. Yes, uh, well, the announcement was made back, I think, in June uh, that an apostolic visitation uh, was uh, going to be uh, conducted. And uh, the visitation means, as and we have seen these before, uh, not just in U.S. dioceses, uh, and there, actually there have been quite a few over the last years, uh, but we've even seen visitations taking place in different offices of the Roman Curia. Uh, so Pope Francis authorized, for example, a visitation of sorts uh, to 
a couple of the congregations in Rome mm. uh, that led ultimately to pretty significant changes. Uh, we have seen visitations again, for example, uh, uh, leading up to recent resignations, I think, of Bishop Sticca. Uh, so, again, again, it's not unheard of. In this case, uh, the visitation uh, took place uh, over the summer, and the results of that uh, were never released. Now, that's, again, not unusual, because obviously this is uh, a matter of inquiry by the Holy See. We know a few things about that, though, because of the statement that came out yesterday uh, from Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, mm-hmm. the, the Archbishop of Galveston, Houston, and now that's pertinent because the Diocese of Tyler is a, a suffragan diocese within the metropolitan province of Galveston, Houston. Right. So in other words, Cardinal DiNardo has some elements of oversight uh, so when an event like that takes place, uh, he is obviously is going to be very closely involved uh, with everything that happens. So his statement included um, an observation that an exhaustive inquiry into all the aspects of governance and leadership uh, took place uh, by two retired American bishops, uh, one in particular, uh, Bishop Kikanis, uh, the retired bishop uh, and who was uh, at one point the vice president for the USCCB, uh, a a well-known figure, certainly, uh, in the American Episcopate. And uh, the results of that, obviously, were presented to Pope Francis. And what we also know is that uh, uh, Bishop Strickland was apparently brought to D.C., met with the Apostolic Nuncio, Cardinal Christophe Pierre, and asked to resign uh, he chose at that point not to, uh, and it was for that reason uh, that uh, he was subsequently removed, or to use the uh, the very specific translation of, of the term used by the Holy See when it made the announcement, he was lifted, uh, essentially, or removed from mm-hmm. the Diocese of Tyler. Okay. So uh, they do not, at this point anyways, they've not suggested the causes uh, leading to his removal. I mean, there's all kinds of rumors going around, um, but we don't have any official statement uh, except that at some point, uh, the, the as a result of the visitation, the recommenda- recommendation was made to the Holy Father that um, he it was not feasible that Strickland That's right. could continue yeah. in office. That's a pretty strong statement. Exactly. Uh, it is. Uh, now, the statement from Cardinal DiNardo, uh, I'll reiterate what you just said, uh, Mm -hmm. that the results of this investigation, of this visitation, uh, ended with a recommendation uh, to Pope Francis that Bishop Strickland uh, remaining in his office was, quote, not feasible. Now, we do not know, as I said, the findings of the visitation, they have not been published, and the rest is all rumor, Mm -hmm. Uh, nor has the Vatican disclosed exactly why Bishop Strickland was removed. And uh, we can cite, too, that the the Bulletino, as it is typically wont to do, uh, omitted any details as to why the decision had been made. The Bulletino is specifically that. It's simply an announcement. Uh, so you can parse the, the language, as I just did, yeah. of, the, yeah. of how it's phrased. But that's as, as far as you can really go uh, with any of those types of announcements. And frankly, I would be very surprised if the Holy See ever expresses any more specifics than that. Okay. In keeping, for example, with the announcement that surrounded the removal 
of uh, Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres in Puerto Rico. Hmm. Okay. So uh, we're not apt to know. So those uh, folks who have podcasts and, and broadcasts who are boasting to have some inside knowledge of this are just blowing smoke. Well, possibly in the sense that uh, uh, there are certainly many rumors and there right. are a lot of discussions in Rome. Uh, so certainly a, a story this big is going to include uh, a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, various officials in, in Rome probably talking very quietly okay. about it. Okay. Now we can add uh, with certainty what Cardinal DiNardo said, and I think that's an important uh, moment because I think that's the most detail that we've gotten and likely will get in any official capacity. Mm -hmm. But uh, we also know that uh, Bishop Strickland uh, tweeted uh, his, about his, his removal and subsequently gave an interview uh, to the conservative uh, website, LifeSite News, mm -hmm. uh, and expressed a variety of opinions uh, or speculation as to why he was removed. I mean, he, is, he has made statements, this, these are public statements, that he believed that the Holy Father was um, undermining, deliberately undermining the deposit of faith. Um, there's also a statement uh, that he made at the Rome Life Forum I think it was October 31st of this year, where he quoted a letter from a, a revered and saintly friend in which uh, he approvingly uh, read the line that he sits, that is, Pope Francis sits on a chair that is not his own. Um, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound, that sounds bad to me. I mean, it sounds like he... Like an accusation of usurping authority or something, or a set of a contest position, um, he—you would think you would. This is what where it gets frustrating. You would think he would know statements like that are bound to cause trouble, uh, and so uh, so that's one. That's one thing that that he was removed yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was discrediting the uh, ministry of Pope Francis. And, and spoke out uh, what I've been told, not from a source in Rome, I just mean the reality is that in terms of social media, uh, everything that you've just said uh, is is out there. Right. Um, and these were very public uh, statements that he made in social media um, on what was then Twitter, it's now X. Uh, and when asked about uh, why he might have been removed and, and why Pope Francis made the decision, uh, Bishop Strickland said uh, in his interview, um, I believe it was Saturday, that the, the only answer I have to that is because forces in the Church right now don't want the truth of the Gospel. They want it changed, they want it ignored. But, and he went to some pains uh, to do two things. The first is that he said he's not accusing Pope Francis of being part of this effort to undermine church teaching. Okay. Uh, setting aside the, the tweet that you just read. Right. Uh, he did say that there are, as he put it, forces working at him and influencing Pope Francis to make these types of decisions. And he's then added that for these forces, uh, I'm a problem. Now, the other thing that he said, though, is uh, he asked for prayers for Pope Francis and encouraged people in the face of um, his removal not to leave the church, not to give up. Right. Uh, 
Uh, and I, I think uh, that's a, an important statement to make on his part, uh, given these events. Yeah. No, very good. Uh, I agree. Uh, can you stay another segment with me? Yes, I can. Do you have time to do that? Because I see the clock is just about the music's about ready to come up. And I wanted to go over some other uh, considerations that people have put forward. Uh, the, the residential community, Veritata Splendor, that moved into the Diocese of Tyler, apparently. Uh, and there were allegedly uh, uh, financial issues there. Um, the presence of a particular religious sister who had been um, uh, permanently removed from religious life the, and the appearance that uh, Bishop Strickland had given her a home in the diocese. I just want to come back and see what we know or don't know about these claims. Good afternoon. I'm Al Crestor. With me, uh, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, uh, Executive Editor and Washington Bureau Chief for EWTN News. We're taking a look at the weekend story of Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, being removed uh, from his uh, position there. This is, again, Pope Francis removing him. There is no official explanation for why this was done. And as Matthew pointed out, it's not likely we're going to get that information. Nevertheless, people will naturally speculate as to what the causes were. One cause that's been suggested is that he had made public statements, fairly severe public statements, undermining the legitimacy of Pope Francis's pontificate. But there were other issues that have come up, and I have no idea the degree to which these were a problem. But they're out there, and so Matthew, I want to ask you, what do you know about this residential community, Veritata Splendor, that was taking up, uh, you know, gathering in the diocese um, and allegedly, I stress allegedly, had financial irregularities and um, some Im immorality issues among some leadership? Yeah, it, it seems that uh, this uh, the, the plan for this community uh, simply fell apart and the degree to which that might have uh, played into the absolute visitation, I think, is uh, something we can only speculate on. Okay. What it does point to, though, are questions uh, that are logically and, and, I would say, sensibly raised um, about did the visitation include elements of diocesan governance mm -hmm. and how he ran his diocese, which is a, a question that any visitation for a sitting bishop an ordinary, to use the, the technical term, uh, is certain to uh, encompass. Right. So one of the questions that's been asked, uh, that certainly came up. Uh, there is um, the hiring of a former religious sister as a high school employee. Uh, the Obviously, the support for this planned Catholic community. Uh, and uh, what is perceived, anyway, as a very unusual amount of diocesan turnover of staff. Mm, okay. uh, then there, the question was asked, apparently, and this is based on uh, reporting from the time of the visitation, uh, what his relationship was like uh, with his priests. Yeah. We have uh, on it's, top of that. It's a serious uh, matter. The, the social, yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, and the relationship uh, of a bishop with his priests is central, obviously, as the center of unity for a diocese. Uh, when that emerges, 
uh, if they're true and if they're accurate. Uh, that is something that the, certainly the dicastery was at one point the Congregation for Bishops, now the dicastery of bishops, needs to take very seriously. Um, again, it's an open question as to how significant those issues were in the decision uh, to remove him. Uh, we can add to that, and it, it ties into a little bit of both, I would argue, Bishop Strickland's resistance uh, to the implementation of Traditiones Custodes. In other words, the restriction on the traditional Latin Mass, the TLM, dating all the way back to 2021, it's simply something that he did not want to do. And as he put it, one of the reasons that he didn't do it is because he said, I can't starve out part of my flock. Mm. That certainly created some uh, turmoil uh, let me, on the Rome side. Yeah, let me, let me just ahead. bring up, though. Uh, yeah. I, I, where I live, I am in the Diocese of Lansing, Michigan. And uh, at 11 o'clock Mass on Sundays, last I checked, at one of our most prominent parishes uh, in southeast Michigan, Ann Arbor area in particular, there is, in fact, uh, traditional uh, Latin Mass. And Bishop Boyer is certainly not in rebellion (laughs) to to, to Pope Francis. Um, So I'm, I'm saying to myself, we weathered that here in the Diocese of Lansing, and we did not have to stop with the traditional Latin Mass. And so I'm wondering if that's a problem was it that he wasn't he didn't have a creative way to uh, accommodate solve the problem yeah right? yeah i i don't know yeah exactly and, and but that's also a question that uh in fairness a lot of bishops are asking and also being asked in dioceses all over the place not just in the united states okay. uh how they deal with the issue of the traditional latin mass communities uh is an ongoing uh, enterprise, to yeah. put it that way, okay. uh, which is one of the reasons why we had the responsa. Uh, and boy, this is becoming the pontificate of the dubia, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> to questions that have been asked about, okay, how do we actually go about implementing this, and what what authority does a sitting bishop have over his own diocese uh, in this matter? And the answer was pretty circumscribed based on the responses from the Congregation of Divine Worship uh, and its precept. Cardinal Roach. Now, the other aspect uh, that probably needs to be raised, too, is that part, uh, and this goes back to the twofold thing of diocesan governance, but also his public persona, his public profile, Mm -hmm. uh, was his very open criticism of synodality writ large, and in particular, the Synod on Synodality. And he sent a, a letter back in just in August that many saw as a very defiant statement about his opinion on, on synodality and, and the synod itself, in which he said uh, that it may be that some will label as schismatics those who disagree with the changes being proposed. Instead, those who would propose changes to that which cannot be changed seek to commandeer Christ's church, and they are indeed the true schismatics. Mm-hmm. So, it's a, again, a very defiant public statement, but he, again, according to Bishop Strickland, uh, felt compelled to do these things. But at that time, there was nothing being proposed. All of us have an idea that some people, uh, and we know now, some people at the Synod on Synodality made proposals um, regarding LGBTQ people. But the Synod on Synodality did not come to a place of agreement 
with those gay activists or gay advocates. Right. So yeah, as far as I as far as I know, I mean, quite... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, the, we have a year ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's true. But 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 you're making an important point uh, that uh, the Senate itself had not been held yet. Yeah. Uh, and the the summary report, the synthesis report, that's supposed to be a bridge between the end of this Senate and the next one. Uh, went so far as not even to include the term LGBTQ right. uh, in its uh, in its pages. But again, it, it goes back, I think, to the very public profile that, that Bishop Strickland had created for himself in social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we can also go back. One other aspect I think is worth noting here is to reasons and whether or not uh, diocesan governance was central in this. I've mentioned his relationship with his priests. He has, however, had a remarkable success in cultivating vocations for the diocese. This is a a diocese with barely 120,000 Catholics in in Texas, and it has 21 seminarians, (laughs) which for a population of that size, as you know, is is pretty remarkable. (laughs) Uh, And it is also uh, very well, uh, it's it's healthy, let's put it that way, uh, financially. So, as he put it, the financial strength of the diocese owes everything to the tremendous generosity from the people of the diocese, right. is how he's putting it. But he also added that, uh, and, and this is important too, no place is perfect. He said no family is perfect, but the diocese is in good shape. So it depends, I think, on what metrics uh, yeah. are being used to assess the overall health of a diocese. Is it simply financial? Is it the number of vocations? Is it the relationship with his priests and with the faithful? Is it the implementation of uh, de- papal decrees? It, it, there are a lot of factors in this. And again, the, the Vatican itself is, is not particularly forthcoming at this point as to why exactly this happened. You know, it's kind of frustrating to not know. I guess for those of us who spend so much time following these kind of events, I mean, that's what we do, you don't like to see this information withheld. It would be instructive. I would think this would be useful. Of course, maybe there's confidential material here that would violate his his own rights. But a bishop is called to, to teach, to sanctify, and to govern. And so you can be a great teacher. You can even be an outstanding model of sanctity. But you might be a lousy administrator. And this can go for the other way, too. You can be an outstanding—I mean, I can remember the claims— in New York, the Archdiocese of New York, way back when uh, Cardinal O'Connor was there, uh, he was heroic. He was a great teacher. He was uh, a, really, most of us who had familiarity with him thought he was a saintly man. But the rumor was that he wasn't a great administrator. Uh, Cardinal Egan, when he came in, uh, was reputed to be a great administrator, but not an especially inspirational figure. <laughs> so, Well, and, and similarly, I think Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen was himself one of the greatest communicators yeah. in the modern history of the church, but uh, there were questions raised about his overall ability as, uh, again, uh, an administrator, I think, when he was in Rochester. At Rochester, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is funny. I, that's the story, and the way the story is told is that, you know, he was used to making his statements uh, something like racism is wrong, and his audience, you know, can deal with that any way they like. But when you've got priests, and you're telling them to implement certain policies 
with racial issues, they're not all going to respond like listeners or, or viewers. <laughs> exactly. So. Right, but it does go back to the individual strengths of, of people. John Paul II very famously, when he would appoint a prefect to some of the key congregations, I think the congregation for bishops and others, he made a point to those he was naming that uh, I want you to oversee this dicastery, this, this congregation, and if I have to stand over your shoulders, you're not going to be here very long, because his priority was good governance as best he could, but really he was focused on all of the, the, the great travels that he had of his work as an apostle, and in that sense, I think uh, you're absolutely right, that uh, everyone has to find their strength yeah. and yeah. lean into it. They need to have support to do it. Matthew, let me go to one other topic before we run out of time here, and that is that people will argue that Strickland gets disciplined when you've got these gay-friendly German bishops or the fornicating Father Rupnik or catechism-denying Father James Martin all going free, so to speak, mm-hmm. and they they have a hard time. The proportion the proportionality is questioned here. Yes. Well, we have to always be careful with um, comparing different cases. Yeah. Uh, the Rupna case is its own case. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not a bishop. Uh, he is a priest. And uh, that apparently, while there have been clearly many missteps along the way, uh, is currently under investigation, as, as painful as this has been mm-hmm. and as messy as this has been. Uh, similarly, we'll see what happens with the German bishops, but at the end of the day, it's up to Pope Francis to decide how he wants to adjudicate these uh, and how he chooses to govern the church. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Matthew, thanks once again. Really appreciate your help in all this. Always good to be with you. Let's keep everyone in prayer. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, I'm Al Krista.